It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, guys? Welcome to Locked On Vikings. It is your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. My name is Luke Braun. I am your host. I am your pal. I'm the kid you copied off in math class. You can find me on Twitter at LukeBraunNFL. You can find the show on Twitter at LockedOnVikings. And you can find the show by asking your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On Vikings. It works for this show and any show in the Locked On Network. Play podcast Locked On NFL, Locked On Draft, whatever. Just ask your smart speaker to play the podcast and it should find the latest episode. You pause it right now. Try it. I can wait. So we have a whole bunch of news to talk about, and uh, we shouldn't waste any time, so let's dive right in. The biggest news in terms of the Vikings is that yet another coach is not going to be returning for the 2019 season. This time it's the wide receivers coach, Daryl Hazel. He was widely regarded as a guy who did a pretty good job, right? He presided over the best years of Diggs and Thielen. He presided over the 2018 season where, you know, both guys went over 1,000 yards, and it's the first time the Vikings have had that since Carter and Moss in, like, 2000 or whenever. So it's pretty surprising that the Vikings would choose to go a different direction at the wide receiver position. Now, I haven't seen any reports. It's also possible that Daryl Hazel said, hey, you know, I'm going to go a different direction. The, the contract's over. I'm going to try to get a job elsewhere. Uh, but regardless, it leaves the Vikings with a hole at wide receivers coach. And it'll be really interesting to see how they fill it. Right now, even before Rick Dennison has been officially signed, uh, as of this recording, he hasn't. But reports still indicate that that's where things are headed. Uh, the Vikings are, like, flush with offensive staff members. You know, they have Gary Kubiak, who isn't a position coach. He's just an advisor. They have two tight end coaches in Todd Downing and Brian Periani. So it's easy to see the Vikings just, like, moving one of those people or maybe, you know, moving Clancy Barone back to tight ends where he was in the first place and then moving Todd Downing to wide receivers and or moving Periani to wide receivers or getting rid of one of those guys. It seems like, you know, the Vikings are not short on offensive staff, but right now they have some holes to fill. We don't know who's going to be running the wide receiver drills. We don't know who's going to be running the offensive line drills. We'll continue to monitor it as the situation goes on. Now, usually I do a little bit more of a postmortem on a coach if he uh, if he's going to leave, but I'm actually going to talk a lot about the receivers today. The main topic of today is going to be a like, receiving game of 2018 in review. So by proxy, we'll be talking about you know the, the product that Daryl Hazel put on the field in 2018 quite a bit. So for now, we are going to move on, and there's a lot more offensive line coaching drama going on league-wide. Now, again, the Vikings have been reported to, you know, be in talks with Rick Dennison. It was reported that Gary Kubiak, uh, when he came over, Rick Dennison was part of the package deal and he wouldn't come unless uh, Rick Dennison came with him. That said, he still hasn't inked a deal yet. He still hasn't put pen to paper, which leads me to believe one of two things. Either there's a contract negotiation going on, and sometimes that takes a couple days. Sometimes, you know, you got to talk to the wife or talk to somebody close to you, or you have to talk numbers. Maybe he's just trying to squeeze an extra couple dollars out of the contract. That is all very normal and easy procedure. There's no reason for the Vikings to really need to be in a hurry to sign Rick Dennison, provided Rick Dennison isn't going to, you know, take the delay as an opportunity to go elsewhere, which is probably not what's going to happen. They can feel free to take all the time they need to, you know, figure out a deal that works for both sides. But let's just say for fun that Rick Dennison isn't going to be the offensive line coach. So much has been happening over the last couple days in the offensive line coaching market, it almost behooves the Vikings to kind of keep an eye out elsewhere, to look at some of these other guys that are springing free 
And if that means Rick Dennison is left out in the cold, hey, it's a tough business. So I think I've talked about this article on the show before, but if not, I'll link it in the show notes again. Uh, Justice Mosqueda over at Opti- Optimum Scouting did a great piece looking at the uh, career resumes, basically, of all the offensive line coaches in the league and the lines that they've been a part of. And he he measured them based on two things, the value of their their tackles for loss allowed or zero yard runs and, and worse allowed and the value of their sacks allowed. Basically, how often do these guys fail and how much does it hurt the team? Or do they fail so seldom that it actually helps the team very much? Which is, you know, a logical way to evaluate offensive line, right? Because if everybody on the offensive line does their job, you know, the play just goes on as as planned. There's not really a way that a, that an offensive lineman can be like, Positive. They can only be less negative, if, if that makes sense. So he took everybody's careers back to 2004 and set them all in a, in a chart with all of those values, you know, stacked up against each other. And we got to see kind of, you know, where people stack up. Luckily for the Vikings, Rick Dennison ranked 10th when you look at his tackle for loss and his pass blocking rating. And uh, his best measure and the reason that he was really like up there in that ranking was his pass blocking, which was actually fourth league-wide. His over the over the last you know what is it, 15 years, his pass blocking has been the fourth best in the entire league. That's really really exciting. Now his his run blocking has been below average. So if the Vikings are looking for a guy to you know fix the run game, they might look elsewhere. At least if they're looking at the same information that we're looking at or similar information giving you similar conclusions. Now, there have been a couple of surprise firings around the league that spring guys free that I think a lot of people are going to want. One of them is Dave DeGuglielmo. He was the offensive coach, in, the offensive line coach in uh, Indianapolis. And, you know, the Colts just got a ton of great press for their amazing offensive line. You know, Ryan Kelly, who was a real struggle in his first couple of years, he came on as a really great center. You know, Quentin Nelson is like a superstar. Their tackles, I mean, I talked about it a bunch in the in the playoff previews of those games, you know, those tackles are both high round guys that are really both living up to that expectation and guys that have developed into like being pretty good tackles. You know, this guy by and large has a good reputation around the league. Uh, the only reason not to want him is that he has a little bit of a, a black mark on his legacy. One of his players had a, uh, unfortunately his brother passed away. And so we went to the funeral and, and missed a practice to go deal with that and all the arrangements. This guy berates the poor kid, calls him a failure, it's a whole thing, and, you know, maybe that kind of toxicity is not the kind of thing you want in an organization that's already experienced a bunch of turnover. So his results have been very good, but if that bothers you and you don't want him, completely understandable. Another surprise firing from uh, this week was Cincinnati's Frank Pollock being cleaned out. Now, both of these guys were not fired by their merit, which is part of, like, why this is happening. And we talked a little bit yesterday about, like, nepotism in the NFL. These these coaches all want to bring in, like, their guys. You know, they want to work with their guys. And that's kind of why Rick Dennison might end up being the offensive line coach of the Vikings instead of these, like, highly regarded coaches. Uh, in terms of Frank Pollock, he's kind of the opposite of the Colts coach. He is, according to Mosqueda's work at least, he is the third best run-blocking offensive line coach in the NFL. And that makes him unbelievably valuable for a team that's trying to fix its run game, but he has a below average pass blocking grade. So if the Vikings are going to look at that guy, by the way, he was in Cincinnati where Mike Zimmer has all kinds of ties. Uh, So if the Vikings are going to try to, you know, look the run game's way, Frank Pollock is a really, really interesting name that maybe they should consider before they sign Rick Dennison. And I wouldn't be surprised to learn that the reason Rick Dennison hasn't inked yet is because the Vikings went, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Look at all these names out there. And even, you know, Bill Callahan and Bob Wiley's out there. He's interesting. 
Um, you know, and if Bill Callahan wants to leave the Redskins, that's something that we should talk about. We should maybe wait for all this to shake out and we'll see if we can't get somebody who is a little bit more highly regarded than your guy, sorry, Kubiak. Speaking of Kubiak, I have a little bit more to say about him, but I'm going to do it on the other side of the break. I do have to step away for a little bit. So we will talk a little bit more about Kubiak quick. And then on the other side of the break, we'll start talking about the receivers, Diggs and Thielen, who's wide receiver one, what can we expect from the other guys and so on. So I'll see you guys in a little bit. Hi, this is David Locke, the CEO of the Lockdown Podcast Network. In this crazy, unprecedented, and unnerving time, I know we're all living our lives a little differently. I thought we had some of our sponsors over the time that might be able to help you out. So we've reached out to them to get you specific offers. Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for their first seven days. Start your free deliveries, download the Postmates app, and use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Anxiety, stress, need something to calm yourself down? The Calm app is available for you. 40% off to our listeners at calm.com slash locked on NBA. Stuck at home, want fitness? Echelon Fit has been a sponsor of ours. And you can go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. And if you're looking to add some new knowledge and get a little smarter in your free time, Masterclass, or at least your time at home, masterclass.com slash P-E-R is offering 15% off. If you missed any of those, go to lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. That's lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. Thank you very much for tuning in to Lockdown Podcast Network. We hope to be here for you to give you a relief and a respite from all the other news. And thanks very much. Be safe and practice your social distancing. And we are back. So before we dive into the main topic of the day, I wanted to touch a little bit more on Gary Kubiak because, you know, there was a little bit more information that I can share with you. So the first thing is that I talked to Cody Roark. He's the host of Locked on Broncos. Go check that out. Uh, And I asked him, you know, you should be really, he should be really familiar with Gary Kubiak, you know, and I asked him, hey, what can we expect? And he really spoke pretty positively. You know, he said as a consultant, he'll be an excellent mind. He'll help cousins. One of the concerns in Denver was, you know, not really being sure if his offensive schemes would evolve. But I think having a guy, you know, young guy like Stefanski with all kinds of other experiences actually calling the shots will kind of solve for that. You know, I think if if Gary Kubiak has old ideas and that's problematic, Kevin Stefanski has the power to say, hey, your ideas are old and that's problematic. And he also said, hey, you know, I think the, the zone running scheme is going to improve under Kubiak. And that all kind of tracks with, like, historically what we, we can kind of know Kubiak for is those zone runs. So it was encouraging to see that kind of positive word come from Cody, who should be really familiar with the Broncos and Gary Kubiak. And the other thing I wanted to touch on was that Arif Hassan actually came out with an article at The Athletic about Gary Kubiak and kind of what kind of improvements and what kind of changes the Vikings will make because he's there. So I'll link to that in the show notes. You should really check it out. And Sam Ekstrom, former host of this podcast, so you all should definitely be interested, uh, came out with an article at Zone Coverage about all of the offensive staff turnover that the Vikings have had, kind of comparing it to like the very consistent defensive staff. The, The defensive staff hasn't changed one bit since 2014 when Mike Zimmer arrived and the offensive staff has been like this total whirlwind of chaos. And he came out with a great piece, just kind of like juxtaposing those two things and just like, wow, look at how crazy it is. So I'll link all of that in the show notes so you can check it out. But now let's move on to the main topic. I wanted to do a postmortem on the receiving game in 2018. Now this is not going to really reflect very much on Kirk Cousins outside of, we you know, we kind of need to know for context, like who Kirk Cousins is, but I'm waiting. There's a lot of really great QB materials that come out over the course of the off season that can be really helpful resources, you know, when it comes to actually having responsible evaluations of these guys. So I'm going to hold on my like Kirk Cousins postmortem 
uh, until that all that stuff comes out and we can draw on all of that information. So for now, let's talk about Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen. And there's a question that gets brought up all the time, which one of these guys is wide receiver one? We might actually have to like think about that question down the road at least. For now, that question doesn't matter a lot. Like they're both on the field all the time and they're both very good options. That is pretty indisputable. But I think down the road, we might have to choose between these guys when it comes to, you know, salary cap management or, you know, we might just have to declare one as the number one guy and the other guy might want to go somewhere where he can be wide receiver one. So I think aside from also just being an interesting thought experiment, it's something that's worth our time to investigate. Like who is the biggest wide receiver on the Minnesota Vikings? So the first thing to do to answer a question like that is to actually put the receivers themselves and their evaluations kind of off to the side and ask ourselves, what is a wide receiver one? What what do we define the like number one whiteout as. And I think the the practical way to define it is to ask if we had to pick one to extend, say we could only afford to extend one of them and we had to choose, who would we choose? Uh, another way to look at it maybe is, hey, game's on the line, who are you throwing to? And I think the latter is a better thing to look at for exactly like what we're asking here because the extension question would take like age and, and injury history and stuff into account and we're not really looking at that. I think we're looking more at who is the wide receiver who the Vikings are going to rely on most from a play-to-play basis. So I think it looking at clutch situations is a really great place to start. On the whole, between the two receivers, Diggs and Thielen, uh, you had 1373 yards from Thielen and 1021 from Diggs. Diggs uh, missed one game, but that game wouldn't have been enough to get him over Thielen. So just from a like raw production perspective, Thielen had a better 2018. Now in 2017, uh, Stephon Diggs was a more efficient receiver. I think the best way to look at this is with a stat called yards per route run. I've talked about it a lot on the show, but it's just taking the yards you got receiving and dividing it by the number of plays where you like ran an actual route. Uh, Adam Thielen is over two yards per route run. That's elite. Stefan Diggs is at 1.72. That's very, very good, but Thielen was elite. So I think in 2018, Thielen was way, way more efficient as a wide receiver. But sometimes Adam Thielen got really favorable matchups. He played in the slot a lot. He got 86 slot targets to Diggs' 31. And that's actually a really interesting dynamic because in terms of slot snaps, he didn't he played more than Diggs there, but not like that much more. He played 600 some to Diggs' 500 some. So that's another category in which Adam Thielen was like a bigger wide receiver than Stephon Diggs, at least in the 2018 season, where, you know, if you're gonna put somebody in the slot to try to get a favorable matchup, in that situation, Adam Thielen was way more efficient and and able to win his those easy matchups way more often now if you ask the coaches and they did ask the coaches sometimes during during the season you know hey which guy they would kind of start to talk about digs and say hey listen you know they they would the defenses paid more attention to digs they would shadow him more often or whatever and we can actually check on that pff actually tracks this they have a shadow coverage matrix on their website if you have pff elite where they will look and kind of just watch, all right, is somebody covering the same receiver for more than 50 snaps? Are they following them around the field, etc.? And it turns out both receivers were shadowed in five games. They were all shadowed in the Lions games and the Patriots game, the, the Packers shadowed. But if you look at the names, you know, Stephon Diggs was getting Stephon Gilmore and Patrick Peterson, and you saw like Nevin Lawson shadowing Adam Thielen and like Bobby McCain those are slot corners shadowing Thielen so they really looked at Thielen and they said all right he's their slot guy we're gonna put our like tailor-made slot receiver 
able to handle the quickness and all that up against Adam Thielen, and then that guy would lose in a contested catch because both players are excellent at contested catches, but it's kind of a, a point in Diggs's column. He was getting the number one the number one corners for each of these teams. You know, he was the guy drawing that attention. So that doesn't make it so, you know, Adam Thielen suddenly wasn't more productive than Diggs, but it does kind of add some context where you have to take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, Adam Thielen was more productive because he was the one that got to go up against the worst cornerbacks, and, and hey, good for him for winning those matchups. To reiterate the point that I made at the beginning of this segment, you know, both these guys are all pro quality. They're both elite wide receivers, in my opinion. They are both guys that if the game is on the line, you can trust them to be the one to make the play. You know, they're the guy that I'm looking for if I'm if I'm the quarterback and I and I need a play right now. Uh, they have unbelievable route running technique. There's been a lot of ink spilled on that. I'll try to find something and link it. Uh, you know, they're just technicians when it comes to adding moves and getting separation. They're unbelievable contested catch receivers. Stephon Diggs has been called the best contested catch receiver in football uh, by people who are smarter than me. <laughs> so, you know, there's a lot of evidence that these guys are elite. And ultimately, which one is the first guy and which one is the second guy is not going to be important until their contracts start expiring, you know, in 2020, 2021, and, and years beyond that. Uh, but I think in 2018... Adam Thielen was the more productive guy, and he got the better matchups, and the Vikings used that. If that means to you that Diggs was the wide receiver one because he hit the, the CB one more often, then so be it. Uh, in my opinion, I think Adam Thielen, the offense ran through him more, so I'm going to call it for Adam Thielen. Uh, but now we're going to step away, and we're going to take another quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about the rest of the receiving options, which includes the depth-wide receivers like Treadwell and Chad Beebe and stuff. We'll talk about those seasons, but we'll also talk about like Kyle Rudolph and, you know, Dalvin Cook in the run or in the pass game and stuff like that. So uh, take a quick break and we will be right back. See you in a minute. And we are back. So that is going to do it for Diggs and Thielen. Uh, but let's talk about the rest of the wide receiver core. And let's start with somebody who isn't technically a wide receiver, uh, but he's Kyle Rudolph. And his value to the team has primarily been as a receiver. So it makes sense to judge him in this paradigm. He does block as well, but we already talked about blocking. Uh, and as a receiver, he has been maybe a little bit above average in terms of like comparing him to the rest of the weapons. However, he's been way below average when it comes to tight ends in general. Uh, and I think part of that is the league, you know, transitioning to a world with a lot more move tight ends, you know, guys that uh, are, are primarily receivers and, and less of the like Rob Gronkowski hybrid types, a little bit more of like a George Kittle or like what the Vikings have tried to acquire with like Michael Pruitt and Bucky Hodges in the past. Uh, and so I think a lot of those people will rank higher than Kyle Rudolph. But when you just look at efficiency, this is one of the perks of yards per route run as a stat is it doesn't downgrade you for plays where you blocked and of course didn't catch a pass because you were blocking on the play. It's just looking at the, the pass, the plays where, you know, he was going out to catch a pass. He ranks 25th in yards per those plays with 1.19. That is not excellent. Anything over one means you're contributing to your offense uh, and, and you know, you're like a meaningful part of it. So I think in terms of just volume and his efficiency, he's serviceable, I guess would be the word that I call it. You know, he's a guy that can fill the role and, and do it just fine. But in terms of a weapon, like if I'm game planning for the Vikings, I don't think it would be wise to say, let's figure out what to do about Kyle Rudolph. I think just about every team has a way to stop, you know, six foot six tight end. That's like, okay, athleticism. 
One thing that I think tight ends really need to contribute to their offense is yards after the catch. A lot of the times, you know, tight ends are either winning contested catches where you don't really expect yards after the catch because a guy's like in the middle of tackling him already by the time you get the ball, but also underneath passes where you need to like break a tackle, bowl somebody over and fight for the first down. Kyle Rudolph, in terms of yards after the catch, ranks 27th among tight ends that played like a reasonable number of snaps for their team. So from a production standpoint, he's really falling in like the mid-20s in all of these categories. And in a team, in a league with 32 teams and everybody has a starting tight end, falling in the mid-20s is not where you really want to be. Now, I, I don't think that if the Vikings go into next season with Kyle Rudolph, he'll, like, hold them back or anything. I think he's still, like, a fine receiver. He can go run a route, be a part of a passing game, and that's just fine. But it's just that. Fine. And I think if the Vikings really wanted to improve the offense and give, you know, another weapon for Kirk Cousins to use, especially in, in tighter formations in the red zone and tighter fits and tighter coverages... Uh, it would maybe be wise of them to go out and get another receiving tight end. I know that a lot of the early mock draft stuff has had the Vikings targeting that, and I wouldn't be surprised to see the Vikings, you know, try to go out and get another weapon that can either be an understudy to Kyle Rudolph and eventually replace him. You know, there's some salary cap reasons to, like, start pursuing that, or to just work opposite Rudolph and, and use 12 personnel, which is uh, just a fancy name for two tight ends and, and one running back formations with, you know, two wide receivers that could be a way to improve the offense as well. So going back to the wide receiver core, let's talk a little bit about Laquan Treadwell. You know, he's a guy that, I mean, he's never going to live up to the first round expectations we had on him. And I think if that's enough for you to just turn this all off and say, all right, well, by Laquan Treadwell, I hate him. That's fine. Uh, but I think if, if you adjust your expectations for him for what, you know, we really think we can get, which is wide receiver three, and I think no matter who Laquan Treadwell is, if, you know, we end up replacing him with another guy, you know, Taylor Gabriel-esque or, or you know, replacing him with maybe a big possession re receiver or something, whoever that person ends up being, they're going to get a smaller market share than Diggs and Thielen, right? So let's look at, like, in terms of wide receiver threes, how did Laquan Treadwell stack up? The answer is not great. He ranked 105th in yards per route run with 0.82. That is, uh, like like I've said before, anything under one yard, and you're basically a non-factor for your offense when you're on the field. Um, and if you rank 105th, again, if you think about 32 teams, and if you did like a, just a wide receiver draft, right, and you'd get around the whole league three times before, a full three times before you got to Laquan Treadwell, that is not very good. Uh, you know, we can talk a lot more about what happened with him and what the Vikings saw in him and why it didn't come to fruition, but I think it's pretty clear that, that Laquan Treadwell shouldn't be expected to contribute really anything to the offense in 2019, and beyond that, even less so. But the Vikings acquired another wide receiver that kind of competed with him for the wide receiver three job. Now, if you remember in the offseason, the Vikings got Kendall Wright. He didn't end up making the squad, but they kind of replaced him with a similar, you know, speedster type of receiver uh, in Aldrich Robinson, who had a really, really weird year in terms of production. And, and we kind of saw this, right? He, like, only catches touchdowns and big, giant, deep passes. And that's really, he's a take-the-top-off-the-defense guy. That's just is going to, going to be his role. Uh, I would not be shocked to see the Vikings try to bring him back for the 2019 camp and beyond and, and see if he can't, you know, take over that mantle from Laquan Treadwell. Now, Treadwell still got way more run than Aldrich Robinson over the season. Part of that was Robinson joined mid-year. Uh, but he only ran 174 routes to 367 for Treadwell. But in terms of targets, Treadwell got 47 
and Aldrick Robinson got 31. So that's more targets per route, and by proxy, way more yards per route run, because a lot of those targets were deep, and a lot of those those catches that Aldrick Robinson had were like these big chunk plays. He had like 200 and some yards, over one yard per route run, that is good, that means he was contributing enough when he was on the field, and I think Aldrick Robinson has a chance to be a contributing part of the offense in the future. Uh, going below those two guys, you have Chad Beebe, who really looked great, but he couldn't stay healthy. Uh, would love to see him come back and try to make the team again. I think he really took Stacy Coley's job for, out from under him, uh, and that is really encouraging for a guy who actually didn't even make the 90-man roster after the draft in the first place, he had to go through, uh, you know, the rookie camp tryout. He's a tryout rookie. Uh, and also Brandon Zilstra, the, the CFL standout that looked so great in training camp. Um, he only really had uh, like a few routes to be run. Uh, and he had like one big catch and his sample size was pretty small, but again, he'll probably come back. We'll try him again for camp and we'll see how all of that shakes out. So, uh, the only other like real receiving options to talk about are the running backs, um, and I, I really just wanted to talk about Dalvin Cook, who was a really great weapon in the pass game. On average, a target to Dalvin Cook got 6.3 yards. That means that if you're saying, all right, this is going to be a pass play to Cook, you can expect, on average, to get more than half of a first and 10 squared away. Now, some of that requires some context, right? Some of that was checkdowns where, you know, it was third and 13 and he got 10 of it. So that's actually an unsuccessful play. Uh, but on the whole, you know, Dalvin Cook, we talked about this in the running game. He is unbelievable at forcing missed tackles, and getting him the ball in the passing game is a way to do that. It's a really, really explosive way to get him the ball. And honestly, if the Vikings can't figure out the run game, and instead they have to rely on swing passes and screens and angle routes and stuff to get Dalvin Cook the ball, I'm fine with that. Passing to Dalvin Cook was an amazing thing for the Vikings offense, and I think they would be remiss if they didn't try to make that a featured part of of the offense moving forward. And I know that's something that we hear every year, especially from the Adrian Peterson days, but this time we actually have a guy who can catch and be explosive in the pass game. You also had Latavius Murray, who wasn't nearly as productive, only I think 0.64 yards per route run in the pass game. That is not nearly as productive, but uh, you know, he was more of a pass blocker anyways, and kind of a grinder, like, you know, ground and pound type. And it's unclear if he's even going to return to the Vikings in 2019. So really, the passing offense, at least out of the backfield, should run through Dalvin Cook. So that is going to do it for the receiving breakdown, uh, and that is everything that I have for you today. So thank you guys so much for listening. As always, you can find me on Twitter at LukeBronNFL. You can find the show at LockedOnVikings. You can try to find the podcast by asking your smart speaker to play podcast Locked on Vikings. Give it a shot next time. I will see you all tomorrow with some conference championship talk and a little bit more about whatever news goes down over the over today, Wednesday, when you're probably listening to this. Until then, I will see you next time and skull. Hey, sports fans. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked on Wolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves podcast on the Locked on NBA Network. The Wolves might be in the middle of what's turned out to be a pretty miserable season, but there's still plenty to talk about. From the aftermath of the trade deadline to looking ahead at what moves Gerson Rosas and the front office might be planning for the summer, to the possibility that all-star snub Carl Anthony Towns could go off on any given night, it's still going to be a fun spring. Tune into Locked On Wolves daily, Monday through Friday. I'm Ben Beacon with Locked On Wolves, and we'll catch you next time.